Welcome into another episode of the Young Turtle Podcast. Mason Viner and Ahmed Gafir talking about Maryland's 37-17 loss in Columbus yesterday. Ahmed, let's start off with some instant takes. As always, what did you see from the Terps? Yeah, it just obviously felt like a, game, a tale of two halves there. Um, but it really just felt more like a game where, um, you know, when you talk about the, the Terps versus Terps, you know, it goes back to Maryland doing what they need to do. And it just felt like there were way too many miscues, missed opportunities. Um, yeah, it just felt like there was a chance for Maryland to really take a little bit more control um, and really give, give themselves a chance uh, up until the final minute, but uh, let them let the game kind of slip away there. Yeah, for me, a game of uh, missed opportunities. You mentioned Terps first Terps. And to be honest, reflecting on it today, I'm a a little bit disappointed. I feel like Maryland really left a really, really solid opportunity to make that statement win on the field. And they just ran into uh, the same hole that that other teams have found themselves in against Maryland, which is where you just you're on the road, you're in a tough environment, start to let the game slip away. And then a team has a game changing player like Marvin Harrison Jr. who makes a couple big plays. And suddenly you're looking at a 20 point loss that really, I mean, final score wise, it could have looked better, but you also had your opportunities and you just left them on the field. But it just didn't even feel like that. Like, you know, and obviously Ohio State was without Travion Henderson, and that was a big, big departure for them, uh, absence for them. But, um, you know, they were obviously able to, to kind of replace that production, um, you know, be able to tie it up uh, with the with the rushing touchdown at 17 there. But just really felt overall like this wasn't – like it wasn't anything that Ohio State did that was like, backbreaking or anything jaw-dropping like there wasn't anything crazy it just really felt like um like Maryland just kind of let this get away obviously I mean you look at Marvin Harrison um I mean two of his sketches 78 yards uh right there um and you know you know look at the end you know Maryland when they were down 27-17 they went for it on fourth down uh, inside their own 35 didn't get it sets Ohio State up with great field position two three plays later they're in the end zone um, so I think that, you know, the, the final score definitely looks, I think, a little more um, controlling or dominating. It just really felt like like Maryland, like you said, uh, you know, they really squandered a chance to kind of capitalize this game. I mean, my instant reaction after watching the game uh, hours after, I, I really felt like um, Maryland was probably just as good of uh, a team talent wise as Ohio State today proved that Maryland, the, 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 the talent gap, yeah, maybe it exists and maybe the second, third string rotations, whatnot. But um, this was really all about execution. This was all about Maryland needing to go out, do what they need to do. You talked about, obviously, the mis- missed opportunities, the miscues, you know, the the, the first half blunder by Talia there uh, at the, at the, with the, with time expiring. Um, you know, checking down, throwing it over the middle when you know you have no timeouts left. Um, you know, the pick six, you know, that's, you know, miscommunication. That Those things happen. But, again, it just really felt like Maryland just um, – if, if they played the way we saw them play the first five weeks of the season, um, they they would have been able to, to come out with a win. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you talked about that that play at the first – at the end of the first half and then the pick six. The pick six, to me, that was a great play by Proctor. I mean, he read the quarterback's eyes – he took a step back. You know, he kind of did what, if you look at the film on Leah, he's susceptible to in his game, which is a kind of hybrid linebacker player that's playing a little bit of a buzz coverage on a guy, takes a step back, reads the quarterback side, just drives on the ball really hard, takes it, and you're gone. I mean, most of those interceptions you get on those 
uh, curl routes. Those are pick six opportunities, regardless of where they are on the field. That was uh, eventually that is going to happen with the offense that Maryland runs. But I, but I also think that first interception. I mean, Loxley talked about it, and I think Talia talked about it too. Just the um, I think that the, the receiver was Tyrese, and I think he expected him to turn inside and Reese turned outside. So I think that that miscommunication kind of. Um, that that also harped on it. I would honestly put the the second interception. I would. I know obviously the first one went uh, led led to immediate points, but I think the second interception was probably worse because it was just such a poor decision um, compared to the first. I, I thought the first was just unfortunate. Obviously, a, yeah. a, a momentum play, but I think it that those are those like when you talk about correctable errors, like those those are the types where in my mind, you know, you can fix the second one. Uh, I mean, he just completely just didn't see the second defender there. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's another point that, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm, you know, from watching the game, you're like, okay, threw an interception for a touchdown. That's fine. We need to move on. The second one is, is one of those moments where you're just like, you throw the ball away there. You punt it from the 35. Your punter, I mean, was having a great game at that point. The punt coverage and the punting unit and the special teams unit as a whole for Maryland, other than Jay Sean Jones, muffed punt that Maryland was lucky enough to recover, had a great game, uh, in my opinion, especially, you know, you're talking about, again, overall talent-wise, the reflections of the game, one of the big moments in that is how your special teams can hang with a team that's got, you know, four- and five-star players pretty much across uh, the board on the bench. I thought Maryland did great there. That one, that was just the play that I was like, okay, probably not winning this game. That was a losing play. And and But the second interception – I mean, you know, and, and I get it. You know, Locks talked about it in the past. You know, Leah has this, like, uh, it's like an instinct to to force a player to make that big play. And he said, you know, third down, uh, felt like we needed to make that play. But in the grand scheme of things, you're, I mean, you're at the, yeah, you're at the third and 10 at the Maryland 43. It's a 17-all game. Like, you don't need to make that big play midway through the third quarter in a tie game. Like, that, um it just felt like that was just a um, uh, first-year quarterback mistake. Yeah, it really did. And look, as the offense as a whole, you know, you hope they they go back and look at this game and, and they correct what they can. But ultimately, it's the same thing. It's the thing that I think everybody didn't want to be the reason why Maryland lost this game was mental errors, miscues in big moments. And then we talked about it earlier this week and in, in both the segment that you and I did in with Jake Butt is Maryland ready to meet the moment? And the answer to me after watching this is clearly not Saturday. No, they were not ready. They were, they were there. It could have been, you know, that, that play could have been made, but it just, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel, because I think by saying that, I think like, I think that Maryland's defense, you know, obviously given up the three, 300 plus yards through the air, not ideal, but again, you go you go against Marvin Harrison, uh, Emeka Egbuka, uh, Kate Stover, Julian Fleming had a big play and 17 consecutive games for him with uh, with the catch now. Um, and I, you know, I think that the defense really was kind of able to, you know, there there were some some good moments. The defense was able to kind of keep them in the game, obviously generating to uh, to third down sacks early in the game on the first two possessions, I believe. Um, but again, I, I just felt like maybe maybe. If if Talia had um, just a a game anywhere in the middle between what actually happened last week or yesterday versus uh, versus how he played versus Indiana, uh, I I felt like Maryland would have kind of had an opportunity there, um, and I think it's kind of telling. You know, when you look at 
how the game started. You know, Talia started out on fire, three of three. Brown took advantage of the special teams. I think maybe Ohio State didn't intend to go for it, but regardless, the fake punt that Maryland stopped on the first drive, um, you know, again, start out uh, to, to start up the second half, that first drive, you know, Talia looked great, capped it off with a rushing touchdown. Um, so it did felt like when Talia was on, you saw Maryland have that success. Um, it just, again, it, it did feel like, like you said, you know, once, you know, it, it, the Maryland just kind of getting away from it. And it did feel like once Ohio State kind of took the lead, um, that Maryland was kind of facing that uphill battle. I think the moment when I knew that all right, Maryland's probably out of this was after that fourth down. And I think that the only reason why you would have gone forward on fourth down in that situation with, I think it was eight, nine minutes up in the game, it's awfully bold. But what do you think about the defense, what they've done all year, how they've done in the red zone, generating turnovers? You know, Tarheep still did did uh, did that in consecutive weeks in the red zone. Um, and being able to hold opposing offenses to field goals like Maryland had done on, on two uh, previous possessions against Ohio State in the, on the day. I think that's kind of where you wanted why you wanted to, to go for it on for fourth down, create that risk. So I do think the defense just overall was was kind of like there were definitely a lot of positives there. And I think especially against that Ohio State, you know, that front five, you know, it's not a not not the, the best one that Maryland has ever seen, but definitely has some talent. So I think the defense just was was kind of able to do some good things. But I think if um, if Talia was maybe able to, to kind of keep it consistent uh, through the second half, then then Maryland really would have had a shot at this one. Yeah, I think this game for me defines uh, complementary football at its finest. And everybody, I think, hates that term. They think it's coach speak, but I think this game proved it. Uh, in my opinion, defense played well enough to win this football game. And time of possession, I think, is a misleading stat just because in the first quarter, you know, that 10 nothing lead, Maryland's dominating the game. Ohio State touches the ball. And, and it wasn't like immediate, you know, snap of the finger touchdowns. It took Maryland a couple plays. They used the play clock fully in this game. The second half, you just can't put a defense on the field that long. You can't put them in bad positions uh, like the offense constantly did. And look, it, you know, it's one of those everything changes everything games. You know, we talked about the interception and the getting the ball on the, you know, 50 plus 40 yard line there. Go for it on fourth down. Give, you know, your opponent great field position there. And you're almost, you know, at that point forcing your defense to make a big play. You're forcing them to try and come up with a turnover, make something happen for you instead of just sort of allowing the flow of the game. The fourth down decision, I think Loxley got kind of ripped on, you know, Twitter, and, and a lot of people don't understand that. At that moment of the game, I was sort of looking at it like, we we need a big play. Somebody's got to step up and make a play. And maybe that was a little bit of a force uh, call there. Maybe it was one possession too early. But ultimately, those are the plays you have to make on the road to win the game. I didn't love the play call, but I can also understand the way Littleton was running the ball in short yard situations, why that was the play call. Uh, a possession too early, but ultimately you just, you needed to not have your defense go back on the field. You needed to, you know, th there was, I think it's justified. Yeah. It, I I think it's, again, like you said, it's just, it's just too early. I mean, Ohio State got the ball at 833 left. Um, and I agree, you know, um, you, it's, it's a very big risk reward. I mean, the reward is, uh, I mean, you're, you're punting the ball with eight minutes left. You're again, you're relying on your defense. I mean, you pretty much, have to force them to a three and out, maybe hold them to one to one first down. Um, but uh, again, at that point, if you're looking at, you know, obviously a comeback, um, uh, you're looking at a clock. I do think it was just, again, 
I felt in real time that it was a little bit too early um, because in that moment, again, like I said, you know, or just earlier in the show, it just felt like if, if Maryland didn't get it, then then that's it. Um, and really, that's what really ended up kind of proving how how it uh, how it turned out. Yeah, it sure did. Um, a couple of players that stood out that I feel like just deserve a shout out in this game. Kellen Wyatt is just turning into an absolute yeah, monster yeah. on the edge. I think that he's a really really good disruptor. I think, again, Caleb Wheatland, not as many snaps as he usually gets. They didn't put him down as much on the line of scrimmage as I thought they would. Guy that every time he's on the field, you're hearing his name. And then ultimately, Ruben Hippolyte and Jay Sean Barham, everybody's been looking for him all year. Like, where are these two guys? Well, they kind of they kind of did what we've been saying they're going to do on this podcast. When they needed those guys, they were out there, you know, for a ton of snaps. And you just saw, I think, the depth and the rotation and the recruiting really pay off. You mentioned there wasn't much of a talent gap out there. I really could not agree more. The only thing that Maryland was lacking was another point that we brought up. Maybe, maybe we needed that extra portal defensive back. Yeah, uh, I think so too. Obviously, you know, it's heap still being sidelined, um, you know, being able to give it a go, suit it up, uh, but was, was inactive. Um, yeah, you know, I think Corey Quilley found himself out, out in coverage, obviously, quite a bit. Um, had himself. I mean, tough, tough matchups, obviously, going against both of those, you know, first round talents. But um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, that would have been justified. But again, I, I think that's also, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to face many wide receiver tandems like Ohio State the rest of the way. Um, and I think, I don't know, Michigan's kind of been able to do some things well, but. I'm not sure that Michigan has the same, you know, the talent level at their scale positions as Ohio State does. So definitely, I think, you know, valid. Uh, and obviously you mentioned Cal Wyatt. I thought he looked really good. Obviously, Caden Prather. Uh, I, I really, really thought that that second touchdown at the end of the first quarter, I, um, and I'm not even saying that because I had over 13.5 in the first quarter, but uh, I definitely did think that that second uh, touchdown was maybe – worthy a review it looked like he might have gotten his his hand under it a little bit i think it, the ball did end up hitting the ground but obviously coming away with the uh, opening score there on a 15 yard touchdown uh one-hander um you know talked about it before you know opposing coaches when kp uh was both recruited out of high school and when he was in the portal a lot of them tried to say you know hey you know he, he kind of evaporates he, he goes missing um in those big games those big moments so uh, especially on the road going against number four Ohio State. Uh, I think for him to really be able to have that game, you know, be that big body receiver, that reliable target, uh, I think is 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 really big there. Um, so so credit to those guys. Yeah, you mentioned that. I think there's really three plays that stick out to me in this game from a refereeing standpoint that I thought were very questionable. One is the Caden Prather. Not even getting a review there. I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Second one has to be Marvin Harrison's 33-yard catch on, on the sideline on like second and 35. I definitely thought if they're going to go back and, and look at some of these plays, that that is one you have to look at. Yeah, it just looked it looked close. It really did. It might it might have been a, a catch, but it, it, I don't think it was like as much of a sure thing as as uh, I guess as they thought. Yeah, yeah, that, that's well, that's one. And then the third thing. This is just something general watching college football yesterday, but specifically two or three plays in the Maryland game, the lack of the call targeting in the game of football right now, after adding it in, then it was overused. It's it's like evaporated across the entire landscape. I thought, I guess it was a hit on Leah from one of the interior defensive linemen from Ohio State that, that he got the unnecessary roughness of the roughing the passer call. But clearly, again, a hit with the crown of the helmet. 
Yeah. And the other thing, and, and this is a really hard thing to take out of the game, is that play where um, Myron Williams trucked one of the Maryland defenders. He clearly lowers the crown of the helmet right into the chest of the Maryland guy. And that's that from a player safety standpoint, just from the rule, the actual way yeah. the rule yeah. reads, those are fouls that that they were definitely called two years ago and everybody you know had a fit about it and, and it was overused. But it has a place in the game and it it does really need to be, if it's going to remain in the game, it, it needs to be called when it's clear. Yeah, I think that's odd. I think the the, the defensive that hit against Talia, I thought, um, and I'm the last person to uh, complain about targeting and all that, but like I, I felt like that was uh, clear and obvious. I felt like if if that was at home, Talia's probably getting that call. Uh, that was that was my honest reaction in real time. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I'm not really a fan of the rule. I, I'm not really a fan yeah. of a lot of like the roughing the pass rules, I, but I I think it has a place in the game, and I yeah. think when it's when it's obvious as those plays it at least needs to go to the review standpoint. You know, th that's just my view of it. If it's going to be in the rules, you got to call it. Just like that illegal motion, you know, Ryan Day is screaming, they've been doing it the whole game. That's the rule. You can't move forward two yards and never stop and the ball snapped. Yeah, I think that, that's completely valid. I mean, again, you know, I thought that, that again, you know, some of those would have been, uh, you know, some, some, some momentum builders from Maryland. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I thought that there were definitely a couple that were, were, were a little bit questionable there, but, um, again, I think it comes back to, to Maryland doing what they needed to do there. Ahmed winding it down. The last thing that I think we got to get to, and, and it's become a staple of the podcast this year, offensive line talk. We saw Corey Bullock, uh, go down. Andre Roy steps up off the injury report. Yeah. Bullock. obviously he went down on the first series of the, uh, second half. Um, and with that, Gadi Yadzi, he moved over to right guard. And Andre Roy, uh, he made his uh, – he, he came back into the game at, uh, at right tackle there. Um, looked really good. Obviously, tough assignment there with 44. Um, yeah, that's uh, really, really one of the, the elite defensive ends uh, in the country. Um, so I thought he looked really good. And I think a lot of fans look at Andre Roy as maybe that future uh, at the position and you know one of those building blocks uh, to help Maryland kind of – rebuild the trenches and, and kind of win those battles there. And, you know, obviously former four-star uh, out of St. Francis, um, again, just looked really, really good. Will be interesting to see, one, how the severity of, of uh, Corey Bullock's injury, uh, whether he's going to be able to give it a go against Illinois, or uh, if Andre Roy, if he ends up becoming that, uh, that full-time starter now. Yeah, and that is something to watch this week, as well as who else pops up on the injury report, Kyle Long. Uh, banged up at one point. He comes back in the game. So the Terps uh, taking a bit of a couple hits there uh, as we yeah. get into Big Ten play. But hopefully everybody gets healthy. We'll or check on inside the black and gold dot net uh, after Tuesday's open practice period. Ahmed always keeping an eye out for who's on the practice field for the Terps. And a shout out to our sponsor, Watercrafters. It is pool closing season. If you have any pool needs in Montgomery or Howard County, make sure to check out Watercrafters, their showroom in the Gaithersburg Air Park or online at watercrafters.com. Ahmed, any closing thoughts? Yeah. Uh, one last note that we should mention, Dante Trader, obviously he went down there on that 44-yard uh, touchdown that Cage Stover uh, brought in there. So um, that's another significant injury that will kind of need to be looked at uh, in the secondary there. Um, that's a, a big, big blow. So um some of the, the key injuries are starting to pile up, um, obviously coming out of the, the first loss of the season. So uh, I think a very winnable game. Uh, Illinois did not look very good at all against Nebraska on Friday night. So chance for Maryland to officially become bowl eligible uh, next week and uh, get back in the win column. So 
uh, we'll see how they respond. Yeah, it's a big week. You know, now now really the question becomes, how do you respond? You got punched in the mouth. Uh, you take that first loss. You got a winnable homecoming home game at home. It's time to respond, but we'll talk about that back here on Tuesday night on the podcast. As always, like, subscribe to this. Make sure to subscribe to InsideTheBlackAndGold.net for all of the Terps insider coverage that you can want. And as always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.